0: Welcome to the Empire of the Suns podcast. My name is Kellen
1: Olson, joined, as always, by Kevin Zerman. Hello. I was just yawning as I, and I have no excuses, because you woke up at 3 or 4 in the morning, and I'm, you know, Yeah, this
0: will be a fun little joyride. I have been filling in on the shows for the last 2 to 3 weeks. I told all the producers once the season was over. I am ready to fill in wherever the hosts are taking vacations. Please put me there. That is how I would like to best utilize of uh, my time working here as a paid employee <laughs> over the summer. <laughs> And they let me do it, man. It's been really fun. Uh, Obviously, this Bickley and Murata show, as long-time listeners know, or even probably short-time listeners honestly know, I am not a morning person, but I've been waking up at 4 a.m. to do these shows for the last four days and have had a lot of fun doing it. Of course, the classic dilemma here is, I feel like either yesterday or today is when my body clock and like my body started to get used to this, and now it's over. So, (laughs) uh, It's beautiful perspective, though, because I'm doing Wolf and Luke tomorrow and before it was like, oh, I have to like wake up at 8am to go to that show. And now it's like, I get to wake up at 8am. <laughs> I can't wait. I'm excited. It's been fun. Um, Go check out some of the shows. If
1: you're looking for, Uh, I guess more of me, I don't know. Uh, I would recommend the, we have it up on YouTube, 2016 to 2019 Suns trivia between you and Vinny. Vinny, obviously in arena voice man of the sun. So he sees everything. He has also a awesome memory. Um, I probably might have gotten five if I'm guessing how I would have done, but I was... got
0: I got five. Yeah, I, uh, I learned a couple of things for my first time doing it. So 60 seconds, it's 10 questions. And some of the questions are pretty long. Like it's it's not I don't think Jerry like proofs it to the point where this is possible to do in 60 seconds necessarily. So if I didn't think of a question immediately, I just said pass, hoping it would come back later. And then I later learned he told me like you can say the answer. Well, then another question going on because I knew the Tom Chambers thing about book. But yeah, it just didn't immediately come into my head. And I was like, pass. I just wanted to keep it moving. Keep it going. We had a lot of Suns guests on. We had uh, Brian Windhorse on today to talk about his, his ESPN article. We'll briefly hit on. Uh, we talked to Eric Gordon today. We talked to Katie Bates-Diop earlier in the week. And I think we had uh, Bobby Marks on yesterday as well. So we had a lot of Suns related guests if you want to go. And listen there. We will say at the top of the podcast as well, uh, again, to go to long-time, short-time listeners, we have such an influx of that now more than ever just because of not only how much better the team is, but Kevin Durant existing on this team now. Um, We are going to... Break whatever you want to call it Like we're going to officially enter offseason mode After this podcast unless there is a reason To come back now if the Suns make another trade We will come back for it Like ex- I feel for, like
1: we might have to come back soon So just yeah
0: seems like we could be Uh For example like even the Isaiah Todd trade we probably would have just come back and then Like done scraps across the league or whatever but if there's A reason to come back and you're wondering if we Are going to or not we absolutely will But if there is no reason to come back we're not going to force The weekly Uh, talking down because uh, you have a lot of responsibilities as you just alluded to I have a lot of responsibilities as well then again we could be here in two weeks bored out of our minds uh, (laughs) waiting for the baseball game to start in the morning and just want to podcast to talk about basketball so just keep an eye out on your feeds again if anything happens you should expect us to be podcasting the things that have been happening this week there you go he's still got it even after (laughs) seeing the sun come up instead of being awoken by the sun itself (laughs) summer league The Phoenix Suns are playing in Summer League. Jordan Goodwin, uh, head of the class. Isaiah Todd was supposed to be one of them as well. We'll get to that trade a little bit later. He goes to the Grizzlies. Tumani Kamara, the second-round pick, is the other really notable player because of the two-way stuff that we've talked about a lot. There really isn't anyone else notable on the team. Just in seeing those guys, uh, no offense to them, but it just doesn't seem like there's a deserving two-way guy emerging three games in at this point. Didn't really seem like anyone... Uh, took grand advantage of the opportunity. Some guys have been playing better than others, of course. But with that being said, we got one game of Jordan Goodwin, actually two quarters of a game (laughs) of Jordan Goodwin, before he hurt his left knee. He missed, um, I believe, Monday and Tuesday's game. They play again on Friday and then one more with a weekend, so he could play in those, perhaps. Tumani Kamara played in the first two games and then rested for the second game of a back-to-back of Summer League. As a 23-year-old rookie, but... but (laughs)
1: <laughs> it's, it's
0: summer league i shouldn't be too grumpy or grouchy about it or whatever i was just particularly with the shows and how slow it's been this week or like oh, i was watching it was like oh man come on like that's two segments gone that we could have had so that's how my brain was working this week hey man uh to money is not bad he can play that hoop what, what what have you
1: thought of him i thought i mean you look at, just on twitter everyone goes to hands john madden would be very proud of how well he uses his hands like kind of like like DeAndre Hopkins type of, I know basketball catching is not the same as football catching, but it kind of just gravitates the ball, just gets sucked in there in traffic, the rim rolls, the good decision-making, but not forcing it. Um, honestly, though, people are going to just trash me for this take. I don't know how much summer league actually Taught me about him, like I think I knew those things. Like he was going to make good decisions, knows where to be on defense. Like when you watch Dayton clips, they ran a lot of traps and a lot of help. Obviously, when you do that and guys get out of position, so obviously he's been coached. Like, hey, you got to know where you're going to be on defense, and that was a really good defensive team in college, I think. So he has all that, but to me, it's like, okay, if if he's playing the four, unless Something drastic like what happened, was it the Nuggets who just let Torrey Craig or the Clippers let Torrey Craig just rim roll? Unless that happens in the playoff series, I don't think the rim rolling is going to matter a whole lot. Um, He's going to have to space the floor and shoot. We saw a little bit of that and the shot looks good. So I guess that is all to say, I don't know how what he did in Summer League is going to translate to this team at all. Okay, that's fair. Um, I I, I agree to a certain
0: extent. um, And what I'll say and what I wrote about is by far his most important attributes are going to... And the reason why he got drafted is because he is a versatile defender at his size, a great rebounder, fantastic rebounder, and has enough offensively for you to have some upside, like the improvement in his three-point shot, there's a little bit of off-the-dribble stuff, and more predominantly in Summer League, his ability to screen and dive, and if you go off of the number one thing that he showed in these games, it was his ability to screen and dive and be a roller that is not going to be one of his calling cards in the league until it absolutely is, if that makes sense. Like, is he going to come on the floor and and his number one job is going to be that? No, because it needs to be the large center man sending the screens. Now, if they play a lot of small ball, he's going to get opportunities. With that being said, I think rolling and diving is something you can see as super easy and just just roll to the rim and wait for the ball to be there. But it does take significant attributes, I do believe. Like, you got to have good hands. You got to have good footwork. You got to have good pace. And he has all of those things. He is clearly very well. He's a well-oiled machine in that regard. And to the machine bit, like, he plays extremely hard. He was set, like, 5,000 screens, probably. He was absolutely everywhere. Yeah. But that was my number one takeaway from his game. And in a summer league format, uh, again, people who listen to this podcast back in 2016... When Devin Booker went to Summer League, we didn't know that he could run pick and roll. And then we saw him run pick and roll. We're like, holy Toledo, what's going on here? Now, it wasn't to say, now we know Devin Booker was a steal at 13 already, and he's going to be a superstar. But it was, you clearly have a skill set here that we did not know about. There's a big difference between pick and roll ball handler, though, and screener and diver as a four. So, yeah, I'm with you just because... The best way to evaluate him is going to be in the regular season when he's actually out there and has to hit the one shot he takes in 18 minutes and has to not screw up on defense when he's a rookie and be a positive on defense because of how little he gives you offensively. I will say a little bit of extra... Um, we've talked about this forever. It's really nice in Summerlink to be able to see guys move, yeah, like I saw Ben Shepard on Indiana. I'm like, you're small. you are a small guard. <laughs> I did not realize when watching you at the time just how small you are, but you're pretty small for a two guard, my friend. um, he, when watching him, yeah, he's, he's bigger. he's bigger, but he's quick, man. like off the dribble, he can get by guys. It's just the rest of the process,
1: yeah, I think I didn't know, I guess even watching college tape whether he was more okay you can defend down to twos and like small threes I don't know if he's there but if he just packs on a little weight then I see more small ball five definite four and again the the rebounding and the rim rolling and the screening obviously that's a hint to okay this is what we see from you so I think I learned kind of how they project him out more um but yeah no I look he had a great summer league, and for, again, for a second-round pick, when he's the one who's just hitting eleven points in a couple minutes or whatever that one game, um, effortlessly, and not like being forced or force-fed. Um, Touch with both hands, good scoring instincts around the rim. Yeah, yeah. Um, Then that's value at that pick, right? Because we were like, I don't know about fifty-two. If they stay there, do they get a good a player? Who we can were pessimistic. Contribute? At least I was. Yeah. It looks like they they won that value, and so that that's a win. Um, good win. I yeah.
0: To end on Kamara, yeah. like if I had to put a percentage on it, like how much better do I feel about his chances as an NBA player after seeing right. him play in two summer league games? I feel five to ten percent better. Like it, I feel incrementally better just seeing him on the floor there. Whereas like someone like Shepard, for example, I'd feel a little bit worse just seeing him on the floor next to NBA athletes size wise. Like it, the biggest examples for me. Are always like how you move and how you look on the floor and how easy you make the little things look and like Jairus Walker on Indiana was the number one guy that I watched this past week, where I was like, "You're going to be really good in the league," and I can just, with what you're doing, and I'm sure it popped more on the Houston tape than in the summer league tape. But I could just watch him be like, "Man, if you if you're a worker and you're just going to shoot it at a semi decent level, the way that he was passing, defending, all this kind of stuff, the way he moved on the floor athletically, like looks like a guy that could guard three or four positions, and 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 is built like a five inch like a like a middle linebacker who's five inches taller than he should be. Like that's how he looked physically." Um, so those are like extreme examples but for him yeah I was it was I guess to end it on him I was optimistic about him after Jordan Goodwin I I ventured on going close to saying you're too good to be here um, which is a staple of our summer league discourse Jalen Williams for example uh, Santa Clara J-dub. On Oklahoma City, he was out there for like three minutes of that game, and I was like, "What are you doing, yeah, man? Get out!" I understand him, you're here. You're doing the Desmond Bain thing, where you're going to run point guard like Jabari Smith Junior. did as well. But Jabari Smith Junior. Tari Eason, same thing. It's like, why are you out here? What are you yeah. doing here, man? Like you're way too good to be out here. And he he was out there, and Jordan Goodwin was nearly there, just with the comfort level they showed on. He was. There is a the hardest part of being a young player is doing the right thing hundred times out of hundred on the court when you're supposed to, and he has that skill already. So in terms of him running the offense, making defensive rotations, making an impact there, it was just very evident if you were to pick out that one of the 10 guys who played NBA minutes consistently last year, you're like, that's him right there.
1: I mean, he was doing, I think he had 12 points in that half and like four assists, um, hit a kind of turnaround mid-range jumper, hit a three, I think, at least one. Um, but the things that are going to translate in the NBA level things were oh, he's flying across the screen and this Dodo is moving and, yeah, you're going to get an offensive foul. And that kind of stuff is what you see from Jordan Goodwin and what he's probably going to do on the Suns team and and why I think he'll probably play a lot, especially um, if they uh, (laughs) trade campaign, which Jake Fisher put out there in a report today or yesterday, I guess. So, yeah, I mean, I... I don't know what I learned. The the jumper just needs to be consistent, which w- we don't know in a half, but it looks good when it goes in. Um I think the real thing for him, like watching Washington clips last year was more just like, okay, when he missed, they were just like whiffs. It's I think I'm assuming, I'm just guessing here, it's when you rebuild your shot, you probably like have whiffs of like the mechanics just don't go and then it's like yes. whoopsie. Um, but and when shooting the, mechanics... the basketball one way for a real long time. Yeah, kind of Josh Akogi esque, but we'll see What else has happened?
0: We drafted food combos on mock my world, which is the uh, draft segment where we draft things on Bickley and, Murata, and We did food combos uh, we'll we'll give our own combo here our own uh, mashed potatoes and gravy or pizza <laughs> and ranch or beer and wings or I did bacon and eggs too I thought I did really well I was proud of myself just like the Vinny Joe
1: trivia I was like I'm proud of myself uh, did you know that going in because I would be awful at that if you're just if you like right now we're like what are food so combos? I suggested the topic beforehand and okay. then the
0: food combos thing we
1: knew like in show prep so I was slowly adding to my list throughout the show like literally basically. right now I'm just like green salsa and red salsa you blast them together on like a taco or something i think the the thing you can't do is have the one pick that
0: ruins your draft right like someone will not vote for your thing and i got responses for them for pizza and ranch maybe that's more of like a because they're they're a bit older than we are so maybe that's more of a new age (laughs) hip thing the old pizza and ranch maneuver as vinnie put it you're putting dressing on pizza you don't need to but I, I guess not, but I think that it's one of those things where once you do it, you never go back. And, yeah, and I, I'm i in fair. that camp. If, hey, if my draft falls apart because I drafted pizza and ranch, then I just don't want to be on this world anymore, to be <laughs> honest. And I don't want to win the draft if uh, that's what it takes. The combos that I was talking about, Suns made a trade, and that factors into a report that came out yesterday let me explain see i'm still doing the radio thing i'm still teasing the segment we're just going though you don't driving around their cars right now it's like what's he about to say well i know what he's about to say he's talking about about the Isaiah (laughs) Todd trade and the tj mcconnell report because i'm a very informed Suns fan i just want to hear them talk about what they want to talk about in case you're driving you don't know what we're talking about yeah the Suns had 16 players all of a sudden oopsie you can only have 15 now you can wait a pretty long time to do that as our australian correspondent david pointed out though At a certain point, you now get to the point where you have to sign guys to exhibit 10 contracts and and other stuff. Like the fully guaranteed, all that kind of stuff goes out the window. But they were at 16 guys. And we are like, okay, is there another trade happening? How long are they going to wait this out? Isaiah Todd's at Summer League. He seems like the obvious guy to cut in terms of if there was anyone to waive. Uh, He gets traded to the Memphis Grizzlies. The Suns also send out two draft swaps. We'll point the first round pick swaps that we'll point out in a second and back in return they get three second round picks. One is in 2025 and the other two were in 28 and 29. The Denver Nuggets did something kind of similar to this in a similar position, but what they did is got picks that were now because they wanted to pick players now that could contribute now and also be in their long-term core because of all the restrictions that will be in place for them as a team with all the money they're paying to Michael Porter Jr., Jamal Murray, Nicole Jokic, Aaron Gordon, and Kentavious Caldwell, Pope, the Suns. Probably wanted to go that route, to be honest, but they probably just couldn't get it done. No. So instead, they land in this position where they land three second-round picks that could be mighty useful Kevin, because as we've seen, player who has good NBA qualities but doesn't fit on their team anymore guy fits for two second-round picks, apparently, because that's what Obi Toppin went for. That was a steal for Indiana, and then K.J. Martin of the Clippers was another steal. Those were a pair of second-round picks. The first-round pick swaps they sent out. Okay, stick with me. Oh. We don't, do we, the first round pick swap in twenty twenty four, yeah, we have to because this is the one time we're going to talk about it. And if it if we're still podcasting, as Bobby Mark said, who knows if we're even on this God green, God green, or God's green earth in <laughs> twenty thirty 2030 or twenty thirty two or whatever. Who knows if we're even who knows? yeah, around breathing this beautiful air. But in case we are, <laughs> we'll explain that. So the twenty twenty four swap, ignore it. Like something would go catastrophically wrong for that to be a factor. The twenty thirty swap was one in which was it twenty eight or thirty? It's thirty, right? I, I told people,
1: it's like, I I don't, it's not worth filling my brain with this. I can look it up. You can look it up. Can you look it up? Sorry. I don't, I can't look it up. You have a computer. I just
0: don't trust myself right now. It's, it's 2030. Uh, no, wait. Is it? Oh my gosh. Why? What was, <laughs> where are the details? Why is it taking so long for me to get there? It's 2028. Okay. Um, Is it? What the? Yeah. No, it's 2030. My goodness. Like the second to last graph, which seriously, come on, man, you're killing me. Um the twenty thirty swap. This is a swap that they gave up in the Kevin Durant trade. They're like, okay, how do you trade something you don't have? Well, swaps are weird, very weird, where you can basically combine them into other swaps. So essentially what is going to happen is the Wizards the will last, get yeah. the lesser pick or the Grizzlies, I'm sorry. Will get the lesser pick between the Wizards. And the Suns, this was in the Bradley Beal trade. I'm sorry, the swaps. I mentioned the Kevin Durant trade, but this is the swaps in the Bradley Beal trade.
1: The first time it's swapped, that team is in a better position than the second time it's swapped, correct? Yes. Here is
0: the example and why the odds have been greatly reduced in terms of this, the value of this swap. If the Wizards pick ninth and the Suns pick 17th and the Grizzlies pick 24th then the Suns move back to 24th. All the way back. The Grizzlies move to 17, but the Wizards are cool. If the Suns pick ninth and the Wizards pick 17th, they take the Wizards pick. It is the lesser of those two first round picks. So something crazy would have to happen where basically both these teams are picking in the top 10 and the Grizzlies are not in the lottery as well. For this to really factor in the odds of that are very very low and most pick swaps actually don't really have a ton of value and the Grizzlies appeal of this is they get the chance the off chance which is worth it for them because these second round picks are just going to be used to pick more young players they have so many young players so many already. Now, why would they take on Isaiah Todd when they have so many of these young players? It's not really about Isaiah Todd. It's just about the draft capital. That's really all this is about. They can move these swaps later on as well, and it could get even more complicated for the team acquiring those. But with that in mind, the ultimate end thing here is the Suns got three second round picks, and they got three, which are probably not going to be selections they make. I would feel confident in saying all three of these second round picks are going to be traded eventually. Just don't know when. But hey, look at that. Who? It's our old pal Jake Fisher from Yahoo Sports reporting (laughs) yesterday. The Pacers, uh, quote, the Pacers have been mentioned in another possible trade discussion this week. Phoenix has continued to explore trade scenarios regarding reserve guard campaign. League sources told Yahoo Sports and Indiana point guard TJ McConnell has been one player on the Suns radar. There was some talk around summer league about
1: developing a multi-team trade. I hate multi-team. I hate multi-team trades when you write that because every tr- team, every trade is a multi teamed trade. There's an Evan Fournier line in here. Whatever. Sure. Um, well, yeah. We have discussed this, and
0: because we went into the off-season knowing what limited pieces they had to trade, like they can literally salary-wise, assuming they don't want to trade Devin Booker and Kevin Durant, which they don't want to, Probably and they not. will not do that. They can only really trade DeAndre and Chris uh, and campaign right now. So how can they make their roster better after free agency? This is one of the ways in which they can do it. They just acquired these second round picks. TJ McConnell has proven to be at this point, at least a more consistent backup point guard, if not just an out and out better point guard. For those of you that don't know, shame on you. The University of Arizona. Great. Maybe my favorite wildcat of all time. He's on the he's on the Mount Rushmore, undoubtedly. Yeah, maybe my favorite, just because he that was my one of my years I was in school there. As I tweeted, I was in a lecture hall. I saw him. (laughs) He looked down and saw my David Lee jersey, my Knicks David Lee jersey, and just gave me a good head nod. I was like, man, I love you, TJ. (laughs) I just already loved you before, but I love you even more now, TJ. You're the heart and soul of my basketball team, and I love it. So with that bias aside, because I can cast it aside, that is my job to do that, TJ has established himself in the league the last couple of years as one of the better NBA point backup guards in the league. He has one of the best assist-to-usage ratios in the league, meaning for how much you have the ball, how much are you providing assists? Yeah. And he rarely has the ball, Is rarely, more so rarely takes shots, because that's he a part not of take what shots. usage. Not much of an offensive threat, but he can set guys up. Now, with that said, his turnover percentage is really high as well. That was one of the quote-unquote red flags that popped up to me, and you can't have that on a team like this. But... As we saw with TJ at U of A, it's kind of just translated. He's really good at just taking eight-foot leaners. Yes. Like, he's just really good at taking little wacky jump dad shot. mid-range shots. Yeah. Last year, he took 42% of his shots at the rim and then another 41 in the short mid-range, which Clean the Glass classifies as like 4 to 13 feet. He shot 64% at the rim last year and 59 the year before. So pretty darn good for that volume. That's pretty darn good. 6
1: feet, maybe.
0: TJ, uh, maybe a 6-foot point guard. Not an explosive athlete, but dude, he's just smart. He's just incredibly smart on the floor and knows when he's going to get his windows at the rim to score. He only took 54 threes last year, but to but, that point yeah. on the short mid-range game, when you combine like the last four seasons, he shot over 50% from there, which is really, really good. Um, so... Not a zero offensively, but the lack of a three point shot or the lack of volume in his three point shot should classify it as, adds some doubt to his offensive game, but you get the floor general stuff and you get the short mid-range stuff like a dribble closeout guy without a shot a point five guy to a T without a doubt. But his main appeal over campaign specifically would be defense. Yes. TJ is one of the best agitators slash pests, slash intense, full court. I'm going to annoy you, try and wear you down kind of defenders in the league. I think Caruso kind of took that mantle from him a little bit as one of those guys. Like Jose Alvarado is in did. that discussion a lot as well. He he did the
1: Alvarado sneaky thing. before. There Alvarado. are
0: montages online of TJ just getting steals in the backcourt. And they're yeah. like four minutes long because of how long he had that game where he had nine steals or whatever. Remember when he was going for a triple-double <laughs> double. or a double-double but with steals and he was nearly <laughs> going to do it at one point. Uh, but to your point... And the obvious question here that comes up with something like this, why would Indiana want to let him go? Well, Kev, they've got guards. Uh, They've got Tyrese Halliburton. That guy is one of the best point guards on planet Earth as long as it exists, as we talked about recently. They've got Andrew Nemhard, who was a, huh, you have TJ McConnell. That's interesting. Rookie last year. They liked how he looked. I've seen positive things written about him. Benedict Matherin is their present and future two guard and they've got Buddy Healed and Bruce Brown is a guard. Now, he's going to be played as a wing for them, but he's going to play some guard. They took Ben Shepard in the first round, who I mentioned. Isaiah Wong made their roster. He's a score out of Miami that you mentioned a bit as a second-round target, perhaps. Uh, Nesmith, remember him, that old, oh, old like shooter him. lad yeah. that we talked about as a son's possibility in that draft. He's bounced around, but played a bit for Indiana, so they've got a lot of perimeter players, and they could afford to get rid of a player like McConnell. Now, why would they want to for someone like campaign and some second-round picks? I'm not so sure from a salary perspective. Save a couple million. Maybe it's what they're looking at exactly. This would further deepen the Suns tax bill. As I've said a million times, that man, Ishbia does not care. (laughs) Kevin, to me, this is pretty much an ideal way to
1: use those second-round picks, no? Yeah, I mean, I think they're going to try (sighs) to... Okay, also connected to this Bull Bol's potential signing Gambo from off the zip line. He he took a pause from the zip lining in Switzerland to tweet something like he expects Bull Bull to sign with the Suns. Obviously, you can't really project that until they trade someone and reduce the roster down. So I think there's a lot more coming. Um, but to your point about the second round picks, like you can use them if you're going to go get someone. You can throw them in a salary. This Campaign's not a salary dump. That's a basketball reasons trade that you would make. Um, do you think, I guess I, this can go so many different directions, but do you think that upgrade at point guard is needed? Because, yeah, not I, needed, but would be nice. Yeah, because I look, McConnell has another year on his contract that's partially guaranteed. Indeed. He makes eight. Million eight and a half or something, 8.2 something along those lines this year. So, again, it doesn't, I guess, our filter is completely different. Looking at Ishbia does not care about that stuff. Um, but I think it does make more sense because at this rate, I don't know if you need campaigns dribble stuff. You have Eric Gordon,
0: you need floor general stuff, you need more floor general stuff, defense stuff, and that is more up TJ McConnell's alley. I think I would, uh, there is an argument to be made that they're like on the same plane as players like and i'm sure people would argue that cam's a better player and i wouldn't disagree with them i think it's just more of a a preference thing or a fit or what you need yeah and i think that's where tj slides in a lot more nicely like for example they've got tyrese halliburton who's a do-it-all point guard don't get me wrong but primarily a floor general nemhard primarily a floor general if they're looking for more of like turbo just up and down chaotic pace that's what campaign can certainly bring to your team. So maybe they're just looking for a different skill set and they could not be more different players, quite honestly, like they're both super energetic, which is where they're similar. Yeah. But cam is more of a score. Uh, TJ is more of a provider. Cam is the much better shooter. TJ is the much more efficient it's, scorer. Oh, yeah. Everybody's that's the
1: worst scorer. That's the weird part. They are kind of absolute opposites. Like, Campaign is, but at their
0: core, they're energy point guards. Yes, kind of the
1: same. But campaign is going to rush up the court, fire a three, and it's like, why are you taking that shot? Half the time it goes in. That's why he shoots forty percent from the field. TJ shot fifty four percent for like a small point guard, and he shot, I think he shot forty four percent from three. That was less than one per game in like twenty minutes. So the volume, again, like you said, is not there. But like if he's left wide open it's not like a it's not going to happen um so if you stick him and this is the interesting part too like you need someone else other than Kogi to handle true lead point guards and if you stick him with the big 3 and da for stretches or even kind of that combo he's going to be the the then the lack of three point shot will not matter, I don't think. Quick TJ test, you
0: ready? Don't you love questions where you don't know the answer? Uh huh. Do you think he's taking more threes or free throws in his NBA career? He has played re- eight NBA seasons yeah. at this point and in pretty much all of them he has held like a backup point guard role, like a rotation role. I would say free throws. But. He has attempted 388 free throws. Again, eight seasons. Think about that. Like that's under one a game. At one point, his first year in Indiana, this is a crazy stat. He played for 71 games, 19 minutes a game. He attempted 42 free throws and only 17 three pointers. <laughs> uh, 405 threes. So threes barely. Okay. But just again to give you an idea of how unique of a player he is, that's I the mean he's
1: not. You're getting the. If you don't know his backstory, he went to Duquesne for two years. So, like, just as an athlete, people were like, "Ah, oh, this guy is just not not a D one athlete. Barely is Duquesne. Sorry if Duquesne's D one; they probably are." He goes to Arizona, and like, you don't see the things until he hit, I think, the Combine or Portsmouth, maybe. But maybe he got an invite to the Combine. But you watched him in like an NBA setting. It's like, oh, wait, he has more space. Oh, he can run pick and roll now? We're in college. There was no <laughs> space on that dumb... That's uh, I don't know if college Some basketball... Some center but came
0: up in, in their NBA Combine scrimmage, came up and he was like, what's this guy doing? And then he set a screen and he was like, oh, what an interesting <laughs> basketball concept. I didn't know this at my previous school. We didn't... <laughs>
1: man we do remember was
0: good <laughs> lord man
1: we haven't complained about sean miller in a while yeah but anyway i where was i going with this uh tj mcconnell knows how to pass he dictates pace a lot better than campaign and his his skills are just rock solid and like they're not yeah. going anywhere and like oh that's where i was going he doesn't shoot threes or get to the free throw line but unlike even chris paul like if he drives and comes off a screen and there's open space, he's going to either do the pull-up floater thingy or he's just going to keep dribbling and like, no, I'm not going to get a shot off over these giant athletic seven-foot dudes. I'm just going to weave around until I find someone and cause chaos. Um, or he's just going to trick the dropping big into thinking he's not going to score at the rim because yeah. you're like, it's
0: TJ McConnell, he doesn't score at the rim, and then he lays it in and you're like, what? Yeah. And then
1: you're throwing the inbounds pass Herky and he jerky. that while you're still thinking about it. But, but yeah, he's not going to get to the foul line because he's not he's not an idiot and he's not gonna even he's like no I'm just gonna get a better shot
0: I did not want to say this at the beginning of this uh, segment whatever you want to call it part of the show and then said get to it at the end here so I'm not a party pooper I don't see why Indiana would want to give him up I've mentioned all their guard depth but TJ is good and they're trying trying to be I think they have a chance to get a top six seed next year I one I think Tyrese Halliburton might be the most underrated player in the league right now him or Bradley Beal I think Halliburton is, is absolutely tremendous um, and I love the Bruce Brown signing I think Ben will figure out a lot more things in, in year two I think Miles Turner his bounce back year was pretty important for them and like I said I I think Obi Toppin uh, like Knicks fans agreed. It was just um, Brian Gierman, our, our former co-host, kind of agreed. Founder of the weird thing podcast. couldn't find a fit. Just was happy that he got sent somewhere where he's going to play because he just deserves to play. And like I said, Walker not going to be a rookie of the year candidate by any means, but is might have the most positive impact on a team winning wise in terms of any rookie. Like his skills are going to translate right away. So why would that team make a move? Move a point guard? Not too sure. But uh, man, TJ would be a, a not a huge addition for this team, but would be I I gotta say, someone who could factor into the the uh, starting lineup possibilities, and also just give them like the Eric Gordon thing with another ball handler who can score, another a ball handler who can run the offense to a pristine level, and give Vogel exactly what he wants on both ends of the floor. I talked about this on the air quite a bit, and I don't have much to say and didn't have much to say with it, uh, because it's already kind of stuff that we've been familiar with and have talked about a lot, but I will pass the floor to you. Brian Windhorst dropped his latest son's feature with a handful of reporting in there, and the premise of the article, he can correct me here on this, but it essentially was... Um, Matt Ishbia is involved Matt Ishbia (laughs) is the head decision maker of the Suns This is something that has happened a lot Previously with owners who are too Hands on or medley or whatever and usually It's bad and there's a negative connotation Around it but he's the guy that's been Doing it He, he wrote it as he is the Architect of what's going on right now and again, for people who after the KD trade were disagreeing with us and saying like, "Oh, I don't know, you can say like it's him making the the calls like James Jones is involved. We're not saying James Jones isn't involved. The story features prominently that James Jones is involved. We're just saying that Matt Ishby is the guy, one, dictating things and two, has the final say on everything, which is a lot of owners, I understand. But his seems to be a lot more intense and aggressive in that manner. There's Isaiah Thomas stuff in here. I already mentioned it on the air. We already talked about it. Do you have any thoughts on this Ishbia thing? Because we've kind of been in this. We were it's I don't know if you were like, but I was just reading and I was nodding along the whole time. Like, yep, yeah, yep, yep. And, and to be clear, like with the tone that I came across there, it's a fantastic article. Go read it. Yeah, there's a lot of information there. But for as th- far as things that we can give you outside of just telling you to go
1: read the article, I'm not sure what else we can say. I think beyond that. The, the tidbit that was in there and then you guys followed up on was Eric Gordon and the other vet minimum guys. Apparently, Ishbia recruited them. Um, I don't know how you recruit them in an hour and you call five guys in an hour or seven with the two guys who returned. But Eric Gordon, obviously, his free agency was longer. And then he came on the air and told you guys today on Bickley and Murata that... Like, Ishbia was his main contact. Like, he was the main point of contact in the recruitment of him to come to the Suns, and that actually, and this is the important part, the players think that's good because, one, they respect him because he played basketball and knows basketball, which is different than most owners, um, and Eric Gorin kind of just said, like, look, if, if you're a free agent and you have that relationship with the owner, then you can... Like, this is a business, but these conversations are a lot easier when you talk about your future and what you're happy about, not happy about, just like in a workplace setting. So he liked that, and he just... I mean, everyone sees it by how much money Ishby is spending, but it was important that he put options on the back ends of those veteran minimum contracts because it gives those guys security if they want to give it another go with the Suns. Um, And it shows a little more commitment um, that obviously you get young, pretty good free agents on vet minimum deals. So I I think that was my only takeaway. And hearing Eric Gordon kind of explain like that was good for me to hear that from the owner and have him be involved. Um, That's how they perceive it, I think.
0: To regurgitate from previous episodes. It is undeniably a positive that he is the owner of the Phoenix Suns right now because of how much he is willing to spend and how aggressive he is and his forward-thinking mindset. There is just a... It is undeniably fact also that when owners have been in this position, they have been pretty bad at it. Pretty bad at building basketball teams. They've been pretty bad at it. So we have to take that fact in mind when something like this happens. If you feel like you get the heebie-jeebies when you read stuff like this, you, you should because more often than not, it led to failure. With all that said, what he has done so far has been a bunch of basketball moves I agree with. And Jarrett was saying, um, as you should on the show to be clear, Like We'll see how this goes. We can't even say right now how much of a success it's been. I've never believed in that type of thinking process and thought process and just evaluation and review and stuff. No, he should be graded for how it was looked in the present, which is that the Kevin Durant trade was a good trade. The Bradley Beal trade was an excellent trade. All of these signings on the minimum were excellent. What they were able to do with Chris Ball's contract was excellent. Like He has done as a basketball maneuverer, a decision-maker, the guy making the moves. He's been really good at it so far. He's been really darn good at it again. um, I don't want to put the emphasis just on him, but it's like, you know, when... The coaches make decisions. We don't talk about the coaching room, we talk about Monty. Like I want to give the front office people credit, like James yeah. Jones, Bartelstein, um, Ryan Rash, like all the people involved in that decision,
1: right? But ultimately it does come on him and he has done a good job so far. It matters like I said when they made the KD deal, if he had gotten hurt and just was hurt the whole time and if he is, or if any of these guys just get hurt, like you can't go back and say, Well, that was a bad, dumb thing they did to get Bradley Bill and Kevin Durant. It's like You can't project project that. Like, it's just not... That's not fair. In the moment, it was a good move. So, yeah, I agree with you on that. We didn't even bring up Bull Bull, Kellen. Should we bring up Bull Bull now? Oh, wow, look at that. We're out of time. (laughs) Gee whiz.
0: Um, I will say, and I'm not doing this to, like, make people go, Ooh, does he know something? Does he know the meme? Does he know the guy that I look like, Paul Dano? Does he know... Um, this Bull Bull news, this campaign T.J. McConnell news, this July 15th thing, huh? Do the Windhorst. Now, why would they do uh, that? I'm not, to be clear, I'm not saying where, the, I'm not doing the where there's smoke, there's fire thing, but it just, it perked my antennas up slightly, and I continue to just be under the belief that... Something will get done there, but we'll see. We'll talk. I think Bull Bull We'll talk about it if it happens. Let's agree to that because Shams reporting it like they are the front runner to get him. It seems like by all indications, the Suns are going to
1: get and they're waiting on something such as a trade Mm. again. Mm. Roster spot. Interesting. Could just be campaign, but it could just be exactly. Yeah, but But you never know. Just
0: wanted to mention that. Any plans this summer? Do What's I have up?
1: plans this summer? I mean,
0: no. I talked to the people for six to eight weeks, buddy. Do you have plans? I'm going to Montana in mid-August. No. Can't wait. Back to the home grounds where my... Where Pops was born and raised. I went there a lot as a kid and as a teen. Haven't been back since. We're going to do You're some golfing. You're going to have fresh air? Golf? We're going to be
1: doing some fly fishing. We're going to see the stars because there's... Do you think some- that we'll be under 110 degrees by the time you go should be
0: <laughs> fingers crossed we went one time and it was like 95 there oh. and we we're like what are the odds man like this is just horrible luck going there uh, my, yeah. another trip in september somewhere i'm figuring it out as we go you know how i am with these things late planner yeah that's fine what's up with you nothing just gonna be grinding that uh that football. That good old football, that baseball, that Carnals. trade deadline. Yeah, can baby? we just do
1: baseball for now? Yes. Yeah, I like the
0: really good baseball team. If you're listening and you're looking for your sports fix after Summer League and you want to go somewhere and you're a Valley sports fan or you're not and you're like a Suns fan, check out those Arizona Dimebacks. They're pretty good. Now, uh, watching them is a lot easier said than done, but, you know, maybe it'll be easier in the future. We'll see. Or not. <laughs> Wasn't the latest like not like they're considering a short term? You might
1: be able to stream it uh, if they re-sign with Valley which i i would i would i would stream it gladly but they should probably find a better you know do an ishbia do an ishbia
0: always and forever pal until next time everyone we'll uh talk to you like i said we could not be talking to you until september i would bet on something happening between then but if this is it uh get ready for when we're back because we'll be previewing in full force but you know Got to take breaks sometimes, and we'll encourage them when we can over this summer. We hope you get your break where you can as well, and you get your, I don't know, man. um, That's it. My text is (laughs) hitty. Bye, everyone.